Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the Around the Crease Podcast. This is episode 48, and today is another special episode. I know I said that last week, but we have another great one in store for you. This week, we're actually bringing on Tanner Demling. He's the founder of lacrossebucket.com. Tanner mainly focuses on uh, lacrosse in Kentucky high school, but he also has covered quite a bit for professional lacrosse. So he comes in to chime in a little bit about what's going on in Kentucky high school lacrosse. And then he also broke the news that Tennessee was going to be sanctioning lacrosse. He did that before I saw it anywhere else. So I have him talk a little bit about that and probably what's going on in Tennessee this year. And then Michael Ward obviously is my co-host as usual. And we dig in a little bit to what's going on in the Midwest for the upcoming season. We talk Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and I even touch on a few of the players that are out of uh, Missouri and Kansas that could make for pretty special national records and achievements this coming year. So welcome to this week's episode. But before we dig into the show, we're going to do one little sponsor read, and then we're going to get right into it. Welcome, everyone. Um, today, I got, of course, Michael Ward, uh, as usual, the Midwest contributor for LaxRecords.com. But also today, we have uh, Tanner Demling. He's the founder of LacrosseBucket.com. He focuses primarily on Kentucky, but I know he also does uh, quite a bit with professional lacrosse scene. So, Tanner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. And, Mike, welcome back, as always. Oh, thank you. Love being here. So, today, I know it's still pretty early January, and a lot of the states that we're going to be talking about today may not be getting started um, in a few weeks, but it's early January, we got to talk about something. So the 2019 early preview might as well be the place to start. So, um, and I know Tanner, you recently put out your um, basically Kentucky preview. So let's yep. talk, start there and let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Kentucky with the upcoming season. Cause I know you said that story was very popular. Yep. So uh, first off, so kind of explain the Kentucky scene for people who may not know, we have two leagues the KSLL and the Commonwealth League. The KSLL is basically all the teams in the Louisville area, and the Commonwealth League is pretty much everybody else. Uh, so, in those games, start usually February twenty uh, third. I think is the official start date for the entire state this uh, this year. Okay, right. so pretty getting pretty close. It should yep, be starting yep. practice soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. So who are um, – I know, you know, again, we'll pr- pretend no one has any idea what's going on in Kentucky. So who are yeah. kind of the, the teams to watch? Because I know you did some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of the teams to watch uh, are, you know, your traditional powers in Trinity and St. X, um, and then uh, Lexington Catholic and Henry Clay. And then also some teams uh, – that are kind of sitting on the bubble this year. Uh, South Oldham is going to have uh, probably the strongest team uh, ever and uh, Christian Academy also uh, looking very promising. And then you also have uh, Frederick Douglass, who they're only in their second year as a school, but they had a very successful uh, season last year, uh, and they bring back a lot of guys as well. Mm-hmm. So what is it about, because I know, um, I guess, it, it, Trinity and the, the Louisville area, what makes that, that area so strong, and why does it really seem to be, you know, those, those two teams year in, year out? Uh, 
Well, really, those are uh, so those two coaches, uh, Pete Schroeder at Trinity and Scott Howard at St. X, are two of uh, kind of the founding fathers of lacrosse in Kentucky. Uh, so the lacrosse has been in the Louisville area for the longest and uh, been uh, most accessible to kind of those players at those uh, two schools for the longest uh, and who obviously have some of the uh, be- better coaching or best coaching in the state. And do you see the sport growing? Like, I know you said um, Frederick Douglass only going in the second year, but they have a lot of players coming back. Like, how is the sport yeah. kind of growing down there? Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's grown a lot over the past, I'd say, 10 years. And a big part of it is kind of some of these guys that have come down here to play at Bellarmine and are, are staying. Like, there's a, a couple – couple of Canadians that came down here for college, played, and ended up staying and uh, taking high school coaching jobs and uh, starting club programs, running clinics, and uh, things of that nature. Uh, then you also have uh, people from outside areas coming in uh, to coach as well. I know this year at Mail you have uh, Chad Tolliver, who played at Rutgers, uh, just got hired as a new head coach, so he's kind of taken that. Uh, that role on now as an up-and-coming guy here. Yeah, it's always interesting because I know uh, a couple – I think it was a couple years ago, and I'm going uh, to forget the name, but it was a former Maryland Terrapin took over the program in South Carolina. So mm-hmm. it's always interesting when you see those guys that were high-level college players yeah. take, take over programs. But And I think, Mike, you talked about a guy uh, taking over in Michigan. He used to be a Gilman guy. So you get these guys that are, are going to different states and kind of – spreading the sport and probably bringing maybe a little bit of something to the area that may not have been there before just because of the level of experience that they had and how long they've been playing it and obviously playing it at a high level in college too. They probably learned a few things there. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone's yeah. spreading out. Yeah. And the Louisville area, obviously it's a gorgeous area, so I could see why people would want to settle, <laughs> settle in around yeah. there. So. Um, as far as players, because I know – Generally, uh, Kentucky, it's pro- it's not considered one of the, obviously, hotbed states. But I know every year there's always a few guys that end up making a name for themselves out of state, end up going D1. So who are mm-hmm. uh, just a few of the players? And I know we're not going to be able to cover them all, so anybody who thinks yeah. might be leaving someone out. But who are some of the players in the state from your perspective? Uh, so this year we uh, Patrick Anderson, an attackman at San Xavier, who has signed uh, with Towson. He's our only Division One guy. Um, this year, but we do have uh, quite a bit of Division Three uh, and Division Two players as well. Seaver uh, UT, an attackman and midfielder out of Mayo, uh, is going to Transylvania, which is actually a D3 school here in Lexington. Um, and then also Blake Godwin, defenseman at Trinity, also going to Transylvania. And then uh, uh, Jack uh, Guffley, attackman out of Collegiate, going to Division Three Kenyon um, as well. So we have a couple guys going. Uh, to do good Division Three and a few Division Two schools, uh, but really only one uh, big time Division One guy this year. Yeah, but I, yeah, like I said, I, me- I remember I can't remember the kid's name, but I remember, it was when I early started coming um, and covering yeah. lacrosse. I think it was Brad Lott. Actually, I think that I think yeah. that was a name. Um, yeah, I think he was a face face off uh, guy out of uh, Trinity. My my yeah. right on that. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing talking yeah. to him because he tried out for a couple of events mm-hmm. down Baltimore yeah. area, and he was one of your guys' studs. That was years mm-hmm. ago, going back. Yeah, and then uh, Chase Colello at Denver was a face-off guy, led the NCAA. Uh, he went to St. X. 
Yeah, so obviously no shortage of talent coming out of the state. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those, as you kind of covered, like with more coaches and the sport kind of spreading out, I think you only see those yep. numbers increase. Um, mm-hmm. It may be the D2, D3 level to start, but I think as the sport in college grows and, the, and grows in the state and you get those coaches, I think Kentucky is another one of those states like you're going to see a lot more players um, yeah. coming out and being more household names than maybe yep. they are right now. Mm-hmm. Tanner, let me ask you a question. Uh, so Pat, Pat Anderson, was that who you brought up that's going to yep. Towson? Yeah. Uh, is he the midi or is he an attackman? He's an attackman. Very tall, correct? Yes. Yeah, I've seen him play. I have mm-hmm. seen him play. He is going to um, open a lot of eyes. There was another kid I think I saw playing with with St. Uh, X, Will Hubs. Is, yes, Will is, Hubs, yeah. Is he, is he signed with anybody? Uh, not that I know of. I know he's had uh, – I think Bryant uh, has reached out in a couple other schools, uh, but I'm not sure uh, what – if he has any offers at the moment. He's a D1 player. Yeah. I mean, I watched – seeing those two play, they were on a team together. Mm-hmm. I watched them play in the, in the fall and immediately caught my – like, they stand, yeah. they stand out. Mm-hmm. I mean, both – it happens that they're both mm-hmm. very tall. And, yeah. and one of them wears all old-school gear, which is like a throwback. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. it was – it, it, everyone was shocked by him. So, I, I think they're both, they're both saying X guys, right? Yeah, they're both Sanex guys. Right. So, I, as I've said to other teams that will be playing Sanex up, up north, I said, you watch out for these two guys. They are going to yeah. – they're going to you're – go, you're going mm-hmm. to freak out when you see those two. I think yeah. one of them 6'5", the other 6'3". I yeah, mean, they the look like men, full-out men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, that's the, th- those are the guys I look out for now that I've seen. I'm like, I can't wait. To, uh-huh. I can't wait to yeah. watch them play the Ohio teams. Uh, I think they play – um, Culver Prep, so yeah, I want to see yeah, them. I want to see them go against that that uh, mm-hmm. that teams. So that's going to yeah. be great to watch. Yeah, they gave they gave Culver a run for the money last year, as did uh, Trinity. I think it was the closest uh, either of them had been to Culver uh, in terms of the final uh, final square there. Well, that's and, saying and, something. <laughs> yeah, that's always yeah. saying something whenever you start to play with Culver. And I know they're they from what I. What I've been a little bit of research that I've done so far for my uh, season preview and just a couple people I've talked to, Culver's looking like they might be the preseason number one, and they they may be oh, very yeah. very good this season yes. as well. I mean they're good every year, but this uh-huh. year maybe maybe a special yeah. year for them. Um, you could so, say that almost every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I just I just talked with someone yesterday about Culver, and they said they're freshmen and sophomores that they have that might not even be on their prep team. Yeah. Might be the best they've had in years. So the teams coming up mm-hmm. might even be ridiculously good. Yeah. yeah. And I guess when I say the, I guess when I refer to it as special, like I remember watching Haverford School, it was years ago, and I can't remember who their, their stud was. I was drawing a blank on the name, but they finished um, undefeated for like 26 and 0, I believe. And their, the schedule they rolled through was, was impressive. And those are the teams that stand out to me because most teams lose a game or two, like even the great ones, like because those great programs, like Culver's not shying away from people. Obviously, they're playing mm-hmm. the best in Kentucky. They're going east. Like they're not, I think they play Hill Academy this year. So they're not shying yeah. away from anybody. So every year they're good, but then they get those years where everything just clicks, everything's perfect, and they have the potential rolling off, you know, another 26, 27 and 0 season which with the schedule that they have, it's like 
yeah, they're going to beat a college program if you just put those guys on the field <laughs> with them because they're just that good, that well coached. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but we'll get to Indiana, and I'm sure Culver in a little bit. So I want to stick, stick down in, in Tanner's area. So uh, moving on from Kentucky, uh, I think it was probably – was it three months ago, November, October, somewhere around there? I think uh, I had... saw it first broken from you about um, what's going on in Tennessee. So everybody kind of knows now who's paying any attention, but why don't you kind of fill us in? Uh, so the the uh, TSSAA, which is the uh, I think it's Tennessee Scholastic School Athletics Association, uh, the governing body of high school athletics down there, mm-hmm. uh, they voted to – Sanction lacrosse, and it will start in the 2020-21 school year. So first they had uh, at the regional meetings where the regions met. uh, They voted on yes, and then it had to go to the legislative committee, uh, which voted on it back in early December, and uh, it passed. And so Tennessee is now, I believe, the 16th state, uh, something like that, to uh, sanctioned high, uh, high school lacrosse. It's obviously, and it's another another big one because I know they've been mm-hmm. working for, I, I've been covering Tennessee. I remember, I think Coach Kemp at McCallie School was one of the first coaches yeah. that I had uh, been in contact with when I first started covering mm-hmm. lacrosse. And obviously for years it was McCallie, Memphis University School, and yeah. Montgomery Bell, but I know they've worked to kind of bring a little bit more parity to the state in terms of the public mm-hmm. and private schools. And I think now they mm-hmm. have a private school um, champion and they'll have they have public schools yeah. so I think that I forget how they referred to it last year but I was talking to the guy I said they're just going to go public private just for simplicity's sake mm-hmm. um, starting yeah. I believe with this season so sanctioning down there is obviously a big deal and that just kind of helps the sport grow and mm-hmm. definitely legitimizes it a lot in a lot of people's eyes makes it a valid mm-hmm. option for for the kids to play but you know and they're they're another state that every year they get a number of d1 yeah. kids coming out and since I've started covering across that number it seems to be growing um, year over year. Like you just see more and more kids and kind of household mm-hmm. names coming yeah. out of Tennessee. Yeah. So, yeah. And I thought that was a, a really great story because I think I saw it on your Twitter feed and then yeah. I think it was official like two days later. And then mm-hmm. I got the yeah. email and then I saw it on us lacrosse and everywhere else and that, but I was yeah. like, that stuck out. I was like, that was good. Good job on your part. So yeah, <laughs> good job on doing it. I'm sure it was a fun one to break uh-huh. as well. Yeah. Um, so, Tanner, you're going to hang around for a little bit. We're going to uh, kind of move north a little bit. Mike, I know right. you've been doing uh, a lot of research and fact-finding, um, kind of getting ready for the season. So why don't you kind of kick us off and see uh, where we go? Like, where, where do you want to start? Well, so I reached out to, again, the Midwest is a, it's a very large place. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of teams. But I will say the interest in it is, has been great. So I've been talking with a lot of coaches from every state, uh, a lot of parents from every state, a lot of travel coaches from every state, which has been a giant help, you know, because I can't be everywhere. And these are the people who are passionate about it. So they're interested in it. Um, so I would say the two, if we're going to, let's call it the Great Lakes area, but it's not really because Wisconsin's not included, but let's say the, or the, or the Eastern Midwest, like uh, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. Um, that's where the, my main focus was in the beginning um, between Ohio and uh, Michigan. They have just a ton of great teams. I mean, maybe they've been doing it the longest I would say in the Midwest. I mean, Illinois has been doing it for a long time, 
but it wasn't it, – it still might be a two-team race. I mean, if you had to flip a coin every year in Illinois, odds are you say Nutrier or Loyola, and you're going to be right 99% of the time. Uh, and actually, and- I, have a, I have an interesting note on that because, again, I've been doing, my, doing a little bit of research. Since 2015, Loyola and Nutrier have traded championships every year. So Loyola Academy win, has been winning the even-numbered years, and Nutrier has been winning the odd-numbered years. So a little bit of San Francisco Giants thing. They always seem to win the World Series in odd-numbered years. So That's, that's actually funny. I mean, I, yeah. and, 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 and the odd thing about those teams is you see what's happened a bunch is the team who wins in the regular season loses in the championship. Uh, I, think, I think Nutrier beat Loyola in the regular season last year, and then Loyola beat him in the championship. Uh, and it was vice versa the other year. But again, you could say those two almost every year. But you're, gonna, you're starting to get more and more teams coming on. The West Suburb teams, the Naperville area teams, the Glenbard Norths, the Glenbard Wests. Uh, St. Viator has a ton of talent that I know you, that you've report, recorded, reported on. Uh, mm-hmm. Lake Forest. So, as you know, I'll, I'll say again this year, I think, I think Illinois is still a battle of probably Loyola, uh, Loyola Nutrier this year. Uh, I think Loyola has a ton of talent as well as Nutrier. I mean, they have, God, I think between the two of them, probably 15 D1 kids so far. Uh, not to mention D2 or D3. I mean, they're loaded. They're all loaded. Right. Um, both goalies are Division One goalies. Uh, both face-off guys are going D1. I mean, so that's a th- – there's your two specialized positions. Um, St. Viator, I think, has – I would say if I had to put this in order right now, I'd put Loyola, Nutrier, St. Viator, maybe Lake Forest. Don't know if they're coming on. Uh, Naperville North or Glenbrook, Glenbrook uh, West – Glenbard West, I believe. Um, Glenbrook South has talent. So those are all different – again, it's, it's very early to see. You know, you, you might have a kid who, who didn't play as a sophomore – who matures and is a junior right. becomes a superstar. Um, yeah. But that's sort of an easy one. And like Indiana, I mean, Indiana right now, and again, I don't want to, you know, offend anybody, but it's almost a four team race. Uh, Carmel cathedral Culver and HSC, of course, HSC, they, they jumped onto the scene last year by winning the championship. Uh, they had a great youth program um, run by a former Cornell player who just did it the right way and built this program up. And I've seen it from when these kids were young and now it's paying off. Um, so that's great. And now you're seeing it at uh, schools everywhere. Former football schools are starting to pick it up. So th- I don't think dominance is going to last very long at th- from this point out in Indiana as well, because they like to compete. These, the, these schools here like competing. So I think they're all getting better. Yeah, I was going to ask you because, you know, obviously Hamilton Southeastern, well, I guess Hamilton Southeastern Culver Academy championship game, that was the first time in seven years that the title game did not feature Cathedral and Carmel in it. So is that, is this going to be the year, and Hamilton Southeastern was the first program that did not start with the letter C to win Indiana State Championship since Zionsville in 2006. (laughs) That just kind of, yeah. So, you know, obviously it's been, you know, kind of a two-team race, um, and you know, even going back because Culver Academy with Posner used to compete for an Indiana State title, and then they went independent, and they obviously have the prep program that does different, and then their varsity program still competes for a state title. So it's a little bit different um, 
those few years when the I guess the Culver Academy program is still rising to prominence that it is nowadays. But is last year's title game? Do you think that? I don't want to say a fluke. Is that a one-off, or are we seeing the shift to somewhere you know to more parity across the state? I think it's. I don't call it parity across the state. I just think there's a few more. I think HSE is 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 forever going to be in the mix. Um, there it is. It's just brought not a whole lot of state, but you know, it's right. Um, more talent. Well, throw a few more names in the hat. The, the, what happened is 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 um, his name is Mark Barudich, and um, amongst other coaches, uh, they have taken this the, their youth program, which is Fisher, Fishers and HSE. It's it's which was one high school, which was a giant high school that they split into two, Fishers and then HSC. So they, they made one big high school into two smaller ones, which Carmel is 5,500 kids, kept it as one giant school, which seems to be a bone of contention around here. Um, <laughs> so they all practice as one big program as youth, and then they go to uh, – some go to Fishers, some go to HSC, and, and some go to Cathedral. So it's almost like they're, split, they're splitting up three ways. Uh, Mm -hmm. in that area, but they have talent and they were well coached and they were taught the fundamentals and you could see it and they're continuing it, continuing it still. I was just watching some practices the other day. They they're doing it the right way. So I don't think they're going anywhere and there's a lot of athletic talent there. Uh, They have um, some real strong talent. I don't know if they're going to win the championship again. Uh, Again, it's, so early, you don't know. I mean, I, I watch Carmel practice quite often. The physical skills on that team is is outrageous. They have just so much physical skill. It's it's about putting it together at the right time. Um, right. And then speaking with uh, talking about Culver yesterday uh, and the day before, I think from what from what I was hearing is that they're going with a whole new sort of routine now. This isn't from coaches. This is sort of from outsiders and people who deal with it, that they are not going to have any of their freshmen play on prep. Now, some of these freshmen might theoretically be sophomores, but they're not going to put any of the freshmen on there. So they might have the most unbelievable freshman class that can't make prep, but they're going to be playing in the state. And all of a sudden they could be, you know, if you got 15 Canadians who are all playing – in Indiana <laughs> as freshmen right. who are actually 16, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. It should be. And, and I guess they're all going to practice together. So it's going to be, they're playing with prep, you know, they'll be practicing. So you got a bunch of kids practicing against the, the, the best team in the country that could make them very dangerous. And that could make them very dangerous for years to come. I mean, yeah. if that's the way they're going to do it, that could be very scary for the rest of Indiana. Uh, it'll be interesting to see though, for sure. Yeah, that'll be, that definitely will be interesting to see how that kind of plans pans out, um, for the rest of the state. Cause I'm sure, you know, they just, they, they, they do it different at Culver. They, they built such a fantastic program there. Um, and actually it was funny because I was I actually had reached out to Pat Kennedy, who used to be the head coach at Episcopal school in Dallas. Um, just kind of trying to get some information out of Texas. And I found out he is now an assistant on Posner staff yes. at Culver Academy. So they are getting a guy who has many, many years of experience as a head coach in Texas and Ohio um, heading to Indiana. And he's going to be an assistant. So I'm looking at that. I'm like, 
man, between the talent and the coaching staff at Culver, like they're they're I don't know how much better they could really get, you know, considering how good they are year after year. But they they, they got they like I said, this all kind of leads me to believe. I think I looked up; they have 19 D1 commits for that prep program, and this could be a very special year for them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the, the the funny thing is, put is too much pressure on them, right? I don't think they care about it. I don't think they care about pressure. Yeah, they don't they don't care what I have to say. Right. So posers got they they got their own level there. The the funny thing is is. It just a face off. So one of the reasons why I'll give Culver the was in the championship game last year was their face off guy. And we have him on our list, Alec Vaccaro. Um, he's fantastic. He now he's a sophomore. He, he works like nobody works before. He's worked with Greg Gorenlian. Um, he's worked with uh, who is it? Um, Andy Kelly Kelly from uh, Resolute in Ohio. He, I can't think of the name right now. Uh, face off specialist. He's there. He will probably be the third string prep faceoff guy. Yeah. Their number one faceoff guy is going to Denver. The number two faceoff guy is going to Johns Hopkins, and then he's the third. So it's a, it's it's a, it's ridiculous riches they have there. Like that's that's as as crazy as it could be. I mean, um, that that's just on prep. And then what do you think coming through the thing? So they're going to be the. I find them to be the most intriguing team in Indiana to watch this year. Uh, I have a personal feeling about Carmel because my son plays at Carmel. He's not on varsity, but he plays at Carmel. Uh, so I watch that. But the most interesting could be this Culver varsity program. If this is, yeah. if they all of a sudden become the newest beast. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be and you know, it, this all kind of this discussion, it just kind of reminds me of when I first started covering lacrosse and Florida, um, because it was basically St. Andrews. And then for a number of years, it was, it was a two team race, St. Andrews and Lake Highland prep. And I know even years before that, it was basically St. Andrews because they would win every title. And then slowly you've kind of gotten to see like St. Andrews. And a lot of that has had to do with just coaching, like St. Andrews coach that had won all those titles, like, he moved. He went away from that program, and the new coach took over. And then, like Highland Prep, their head coach uh, moved back to New York, so he's not there anymore. So some of the shifting of power has had to do with that. But I think what you're seeing, and almost like in Tanner, I think it'll be interesting to watch Kentucky because obviously yeah. you have Saint X and Trinity have been so dominant. Mm-hmm. Like, I think when you start to see those other teams kind of creep in, whether it's because maybe a coaching change or just new blood comes in, as we kind of talked about earlier, come in and then it kind of start to shift the balance of power. So for Indiana, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, a new team won this year and we won't know for a few more years if that really was a shift in the, maybe the power balance, or if it was just, you know, a very special team for one year and, you know, maybe Cathedral and Carmel and Culver are the dominant forces um, for years to come. So it's just something fun to watch, which Mike, I'm going to lead you into the next one because another state is Michigan that <laughs> has been dominated. I mean, it, it has been brother rice. Like I know they have several divisions, but brother rice is the team that most people probably know and recognize out of Michigan. And up until last year, they had won 15 consecutive championships. That's insane. Which, That's oof, just insane. Yeah, with Crazy. The, the only other team that I could find that has uh, surpassed that was Landon out of Maryland. And they won 22 consecutive titles, basically from the start of the program. And not to put an asterisk by it, because obviously Landon's schedule spoke for itself, but they played regular. They didn't have a postseason championship that they had to roll through. Like the, for many, many years, the regular season, you won the regular season, um, which in 
a lot of people's mind was a playoff, basically <laughs> like a 15, 16 game playoff season. Um, but the regular season winner went, so they didn't have it. And then for a few years, they've shifted back and forth between the regular season championship and then they had a postseason tournament. Um, but they had won 22 consecutive until Prep had finally kind of taken one from them. Um, but yeah, Brother Rice 15 consecutive, that snapped last year by Detroit Catholic Central. So I'm going to ask you again, is that any kind of shift or is that just a one-off Brother Rice will be back next year? Well, I think Brother Rice is in it every year. Uh, now, let's – I've talked to probably 35 different people in, in Michigan um, who, let's say, 80% of them I've talked to were very happy that Brother Rice lost. There's, I mean, this is not – this. I mean, there's no love lost between these, these, these teams up there. Um, yeah. Everybody gets tired. It's the it's – the, they're the Yankees of Michigan. Sure, Everybody right. hates – you just hate seeing them win year after year. It's right. Like anybody but them. Right. But, I mean, uh, Detroit Central Catholic has has talent, and so does Brother Rice. Uh, they just have talent. So it should be very, very interesting. I made a comment to somebody. I said, well, well now you're the hunted. And they replied to me and said, no, 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 we're still hunting. And I said, oh, that's the, that's the attitude to have. I mean, I, I loved it. But – there is, there are, I mean, Forest Hill Central is, is a, they're in the D2, or I don't know how it's broken up. Like it's by size, I'm guessing, as opposed to in Illinois, where it's by almost skill. So this is size. So, like, I mean, the teams to look out for that I keep hearing besides Detroit Catholic, Detroit Central Catholic, and Brother Rice uh, is Heartland, which is, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen them play lacrosse. I've seen them play football. They've got that. They had a very good. I know they had a very good season last year. And every person I've kept saying, "Watch out for this team, like for the future." Uh, then Rockford and Brighton are other teams that have been brought up. But it's hard to even mention those schools when you have DCC and brother brother Rice. But then in the in the other in the other brackets. Uh, Forest Hill Central, they were loaded. I mean, I saw them in person. They uh, they put a beat down on Carmel last year. They, I mean, that was it was. And, and Carmel didn't lose a game, and Carmel only lost two Indiana games last year, both to Culver. Um, so that's a, another team. East Grand Rapids, competitive team. Cranbrook could be. They have a lot of talent. Detroit mm-hmm. Country Day is the one that uh, that I look at the most because they did get uh, Chris Garland, new coach, um, who I know personally, uh, who came from Gilman. I know his coaching style. I know how he, he likes to run a program. I can promise you this team will be better just because of the coaching. Not sure of all the talent, uh, but his coaching style, the, the way he gets work out of his players, that should be interesting. Uh, Gross Point uh, North. That's another. That's another team. So again, Michigan and Ohio, top to bottom, have just a lot of talent, and it's really hard to even say like who's going to be the best. Which it makes for a great season of lacrosse. I mean, they're sort of lucky, you know. Yeah. I mean, you like to see a team win if you're a fan. Do you want to see him win 26, 27 to nothing because the competition they're playing might not be as good? That's, that's not good for the state. That's not good for either team. People in Michigan, 
teams in Michigan, teams in, in, in Ohio, they have competition. I mean, there are some schools that aren't as good, but they have more that they could battle with. So that's yeah. going to be the one that Michigan and Ohio have, I have to keep the biggest eye on because that's, and that's the, and, and again, you have the most uh, fans who, who want to really go for their teams. It's great. I can't wait yeah. actually to see their playing. Yeah. And so let's kind of shift to Ohio uh, a little bit. Um, so what, what's going on there? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a whole nother. Um, <laughs> whole nother podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, well, first, there's so much. They, they just have so much talent and it's so spread out. So you have Columbus, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have three major cities to, to go from. Um, so it's hard to, it's hard to get a consensus and there's a lot of, so, I mean, if you're looking in the D one area, uh, St. Ignatius, Dublin, Kaufman, Moeller, Archbishop <laughs> Moeller, St. X, uh, seem to be the cream of the crop. Uh, that, you know, I keep hearing one school that keep, that keeps coming up from all the people that I've talked to that let's keep an eye out for this team is New Albany. I know mm-hmm. nothing about New Albany. I know nothing about them. Uh, I, I, I believe, be honest, I didn't even hear of them, but every, every conversation that I've had has been, this team's going to be great, this team's going to be great, this team's going to be great. Keep an eye out on New Albany. That's been in almost every conversation. So I'm like, I have to figure out this New <laughs> Albany. That's a whole, new, mm-hmm. a whole new thing. And then um, for the D2, the uh, <clears throat> sales, I think, has always been one of the top teams. Uh, Columbus, um, the Indian Hill, Ottawa Hill, Chagrin. Those are the smaller programs that's ba- on size. They have they have D one, two, and three players coming from these schools. I mean, it's it's a it's a wealth of riches for Ohio. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and obviously it's another one of those, those power states. Um, I think it's another another one of those states. I mean, for for years it was Upper Arlington. Um, oh, there, had, oh yeah, Upper they, Arlington's in there too. I mean, let's let's not forget that. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, I know they've, they've had a new coach the last couple of years. So, again, you talk about that kind of shift, you know, a, a legendary coach steps away and kind of gives an, some other teams an opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'm sure it's one of those things like I, I don't know the uh, lineage, but, you know, Coach Wolford, I'm sure he probably coached, a, had a couple guys that, that probably learned a few things under him that may have gone elsewhere and taught those same lessons. And maybe yeah. they're winning at other schools in Ohio. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of things. Guys, you coach long enough, you're bound to get a couple guys that uh, have that same passion and take it other places as well. Yeah, If I can chime in, uh, Coach yeah. Wolford, his, uh, his son, uh, I'm not sure if he's still coaching down here, but he uh, lived in Louisville for a while uh, and uh, I think coached at uh, uh, Kentucky Country Day here. Uh, I think last year. I'm not sure if he's still uh, coaching, though, if he's moved back yet. Oh, that's interesting because that'll be uh, maybe one to keep an eye on to see. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, because obviously that's a, a pretty legendary name for, uh-huh. for people oh, in yeah. Ohio. Yeah. Um, and he, he obviously he won won a number of titles. So uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be uh, <laughs> yeah. interesting to see. I do, I do want to kind of take a minute because I know we're, you know, we're kind of running up here on uh, over 40 minutes now, so we're going to wind it down at some point. But there's a few players – that as I've kind of been going through that have a pretty good shot at reaching kind of some national milestones. Uh, the, the first one, and I've mentioned them before was Caden Newton out of South Elgin in Illinois. 
Um, he had a little bit, considering his first his freshman and sophomore year, like he didn't have a stellar junior year um, as those two years, but he just needs 19 points to reach 300 for his career. So that's a, a milestone that I'll be keeping my eye on. And I think South Elgin's about an hour away from my house. So that's probably something I'm going to try to get to earlier in the season rather than later, just because I, I, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to see some of those milestones being scored during the year. Um, but a couple other ones, and there's two guys, um, well, one out of Missouri, one out of Kansas. Um, so we'll start with Griffin Freeze out of Shawnee Mission East out of Kansas. He needs 47 points to, to hit 300. And he had a 110-point season last year and averaged five and a half points a game. So he's another one I got my eye on. Um, and then a name most people probably listening to this will know is Graham Bundy out of MICDS out of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, he just needs 12 to reach 300. And he needs 112 to hit 400. And considering he scored 146 points last season, uh, he's got a pretty good shot at that 112. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put the jinx on the kid at the end of the season because a lot can happen. Um, but uh, barring any injury or anything uh, major, I expect him to be the first player out of that state, out of Missouri, that I'm aware of to score 400 career points. So that's always a big deal whenever you start to get kids that put up those numbers um, over their career. Cause to, to do that generally means you have, um, you're very good early and you've played pretty much at least four years. Um, I've seen a couple kids do it in three. I think Ethan Walker out of Culver Academy, who we talked about earlier, he did it in three years. Um, he didn't play at Culver as a freshman. Um, and then he scored over 400 in his career and obviously has gone on to do great things in college. So that's just a few players um, that I'm aware of. And, oh, actually, nope, I'm missing one out of Michigan. And I'm going to butcher the school's name, so I'm just going to spell it. But it's Dylan Day, and the school is T-E-C-U-M-S-E-H. Tecumseh. There you go. <laughs> um, he needs 17 points just to be the third player in Michigan history to reach 400. Wow. So wow. There's, there's a lot going on um, in the Midwest this season. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, Tanner, I, I will admit, I don't get a whole lot of stats out of Kentucky. Yeah. So if there's any players that you know of, um, feel free to, to let anybody. I know we talked about the D1 players, but yeah. I don't know if there's yeah. anybody you know of that's kind of putting up some points, major uh, points down there. No, not not a lot of people post uh, any stats uh, down here, so kind of difficult to keep track of all that. Yeah, that'll be interesting, and uh, that's one of the things I know. Um, I think it's in Tennessee. They're in that email that I got. I think they're requiring their coaches to use max preps mm-hmm. to yeah. um, for scoring and stats and stuff like yeah. that. Florida is one of those states. Like I think mm-hmm. with the um, dissolution of lax power, I think they're using max preps to basically do their state tournament and mm-hmm. kind of doing some of that stuff. So, and I know North Carolina is another one that's using them. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, that's kind of I guess a good advantage for people like yes. us who kind of get more information, the better <laughs> mm-hmm. is when the state sport gets sanctioned. Generally they have a repository of where like, all right, this is where this stuff needs to go. Mm-hmm. And this is how we're going to get used. So anybody in Kentucky who's listening to this, if you want to have you send your stats, either <laughs> yes. send them to Tanner or me, uh, preferably both. That way we both know, but uh, it's another one of those, like obviously take any opportunity for mm-hmm. both the kids and the programs that, that we can get. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess we'll just kind of wrap up. Is there anything that I missed that either of you guys kind of want to touch on before we wrap up for the day? I, I, I think as far as this conversation goes, we've pretty much touched on what we yeah. need to touch on. I mean, we, there's more podcasts coming. 
<laughs> yes, I, I don't want anybody, if anybody's thinking about like, oh, you guys didn't talk about New York or Maryland or any of those places or you know, California, like those are coming. Uh, we're obviously just in the beginning part of January. So we're going to definitely be doing some stuff. I, I know um, uh, Lee at a, that runs Florida Lacrosse News, he reached out to me. Uh, I usually do a podcast with him, so I'm sure we'll be doing something with him out of Florida. And we're always trying to get some people on that know what's going on in their area. So look forward to that in the next few weeks. Um, but for now, Tanner, let everybody know where they can find you if they want to reach out to you online. Yes, yeah, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Lacrosse Bucket or my personal at Tanner underscore Demo. All right. And Mike, where can I find you? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at MFWCHI. Uh, and you can email me at mward at laxrecords.com. And, you know, people who've emailed me know that I'm going to talk back so you can get a conversation going so feel free and you can find me at lax records on twitter and instagram on facebook at facebook.com slash lax records and obviously laxrecords.com everybody have a great week see ya thanks i hope everybody enjoyed that podcast i know we had a lot of fun recording it there was a lot that we covered in this episode and for anyone who's thinking that we ignored a large chunk of the country. Don't worry. As the 2019 season gets ever closer, we're going to be talking a little bit about different areas of the country. I'm going to try to have more guests on that are experts in those specific areas. So keep your eyes tuned if we didn't cover your state or your region. I'm hoping to do that in the coming days, coming weeks. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. But one thing I kind of want to cover is we love doing this podcast and we're always going to keep it free, just like laxrecords.com. I always want to make sure to keep it free. So I kind of want to drop a little bit of information. And if you like the work that we're doing on the website, on the podcast, there's a couple ways you can help support what we are doing. First of all, if you go to laxrecords.com slash donate, that is the number one way that you can help out the website. We are a 5013C organization, so all your donations are completely tax-free. And that goes directly into helping fund the website, what I do, is a few months, about a month or so ago, when you guys know the website went down, it was crucial in helping me get the site back up and running. So that is probably the number one way. And I've also asked add you to a special newsletter that goes out once a month, so you can get a little bit behind the scenes on what's going on on LaxRecords.com and a little bit of preview of what's coming on in the future. But If donating is not your thing, I also have a couple other ways. You're going to notice uh, there's an Amazon link on the website. I'm an Amazon affiliate. If you click the link, all you do is shop Amazon as you would regularly do. And then we get a portion of the proceeds from whatever you purchase on Amazon. And that goes to helping out the website. And also, finally, if you go to laxrecords.com slash gear, that takes you to a store that we have on Teespring. where We have t-shirts, pillows, a couple tapestries, and a couple other things, uh, cell phone cases and things like that that you can purchase and again as i said it goes into helping fund the site again i'm always going to have the site as a free website i'm always going to have the podcast as a free podcast so there's just little couple ways that you can kind of let us know that you enjoy the work we're doing and to help us keep on keeping on so i hope everybody had a good week and we'll talk to you next week (laughs) 